Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. And I'm very happy to welcome Mike Oppenheim here. And we he is a writer, a podcaster, conversationalist, musician, philosopher, book indexer, and father. <laughs> I had to write all that down to get it. So, <laughs> But tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, sure. Yeah. I'm 42 years old. I currently live in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I'm from the Bay Area of California, but I've lived all over the country. I've lived in nine or 10 states now, and I've even lived in other countries. So I just love traveling. I love meeting people. And then through all that, you know, I just have a lot of experiences. So writing is a very natural occupation for me. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you, you summarized me pretty well. I would just say that uh, the next time I'm on a podcast uh, in like two more years from now, I'll probably even have another title with me because I just like to do a lot of things. So <laughs> I don't like to get into a rut and that includes career and everything like that. So now you, you're a musician and mm -hmm. I read that you had played for a couple of bands. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, let's see, nothing like that's, you know, internet famous or anything, but uh, in the early two thousands, I started a rock band with uh, two really close friends and another friend. And we uh, did like the New York state kind of scene. So our last show ever was in New York city, but we weren't like regularly playing in the city. We were more like up on the rust belt and stuff. So we did a lot of like traveling and stuff. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon. And uh, I was in a couple bands there, but it was really interesting. The one that was the most successful, I never saw this coming, but I was friends with an older uh, person. So at the time I was in my like mid twenties and he was late forties going on 50. Um, and he wanted to start a cover rock band for surf rock which like was not popular at the time so we started playing all these like original 60s 70s surf songs and it blew up it was like crazy so i was my greatest like live performance experience ever was playing in a cover rock band as a lead guitarist and it was actually like phenomenally fun so um and then i kind of uh i was hit by a car and i was in um in a wheelchair briefly and that kind of like just ended my music career not because like i couldn't ever play again but i actually kind of wanted out and i used it as an excuse so um, I still write music. I still play music, but I don't perform anymore. Well, tell me about your podcast. Um, yeah, my podcast is called Coffin Talk, and um, it started. My wife and I started actually. I'm the uh, host of it. She's not on it, but um, she produces it and helps does a lot of the booking and stuff. And uh, my brother actually is also on the team now. But uh, it's about talking about the meaning of death instead of the meaning of life. So how does death have meaning to individual people? And so we, you know, we've interviewed atheists, Satan worshipers, uh, devout Catholics, you know, we don't care. We are any person who's qualified to speak intelligently into a microphone is welcome on our show. And the goal is just kind of to let people see that, like, everyone's got opinions, but no one has the actual answer. Like, none of us know what's going to happen when you die. So that's why it's a fun podcast for that reason. And then the impetus for it was actually because I was volunteering in hospice for a couple of years. And I noticed that, uh, people at the end of their life in America specifically, I always make sure to say that because I don't know anything about, you know, how death is treated in other cultures, but we just kind of ignore it away. We pretend it's not going to happen. And that really sucks for the family members of people passing. So I kind of think it's a better idea for people to get a hold of like, what do you think is going to happen when you die? And just like be realistic about that. And then, you know, that'll probably help you in those final moments, whenever those are, you know, it's not easy, even if you know that it's coming yeah i was there when my grandfather passed away and it it tore me up and i knew it was going to happen any moment yeah i guess something like that must bring comfort to people 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, what you said, though, kind of summarizes it all, which is like, it's just weird. I mean, we all can talk this big game on this planet, but like, we all are going to be going and there's people who are going to miss us and love us. And you're never going to like, share like the perfect timeline with everyone you love, you know, there's going to always be like, new friends that are younger, older friends, and you know how it is, because like, I'm sure you've lost people along the way. And you know, besides, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, and it's sad. And like, you know, I was telling someone once, like in your twenties, it's hilarious. Everyone's drinking, doing drugs, hanging out. But then in like your thirties, you start to notice when it's not hilarious with certain people. And it's like, you know, and then I've lost a few friends that way. And you know, things like that. What about your writing? Um, writing is definitely my favorite thing I do. And it's definitely the most consistent part of my life. I've written uh, five novels. My most recent one just came out. And then uh, in addition to that, I write a weekly philosophical essay. And I've been doing that since 2006. So it's been gosh, almost 20 years now. Um, and uh, so they're, they're very different. My fiction novels are like fun, easy to read. Uh, they're all very different. And then my nonfiction essays are also easy to read. But um, I try to be like, humorous and good so like i'm not necessarily a good person but in the essays i try to be good like i try to like promote kindness and stuff and uh actually we, we were jock- talking about how much we both hate politics and that's kind of what i'm trying to do is get people to not see things through a political lens and actually just see things through like the lens of being a human so um it's fun like i wrote one about uh i didn't know i had a, i have a daughter she's two and we're potty training her I didn't know women can't aim their vaginas. Like that was just like brand new to me. Yeah. So I wrote about that one <laughs> week um, and that one got a lot of uh, success. And then, you know, sometimes they're more serious. Like I'll, um, when like stuff broke out in the middle East, you know, I wrote about like my experience with, um, I have a son from a previous marriage and my wife, uh, my ex-wife abducted him. And so I mm-hmm. talked about how I was also tempted to be vengeful and to take the ultimate revenge and all that. But like, you've got to have a place in your mind where you see like how retaliation begets more retaliation. And so I tried to like, you know, again, like not being political. I don't, I'm I'm not taking any side. I'm just taking the side of like, no matter what, if you exact revenge, you can expect revenge. If anyone survives, like just remember that, you know, do you do science fiction? Um, actually that was my first passion. Yeah. So my first novel is uh, called dysfunction. It's about people, trapped in an underground chamber that they built for like global warming storms and uh they don't know if anyone's alive above earth but they desperately want to get out and they can't open the door and so the whole novel's about them just being trapped together and they hate each other they can't stand each other they're not like friends they just all had bought these passes ahead of time and uh yeah and then i've done a couple other sci-fi attempts my my i'm writing right now my seventh novel um and it's probably the most sci-fi i'll ever do which is it's about like human replicants and how you can't tell uh so i, I got this idea because I, I read about um, there's this guy ray kurtzweil who thinks you're going to be able to download your consciousness and put it in like a younger body mm-hmm. first of all i think that's total bs i don't think that's going to happen i just have but i decided to write a novel about what would happen if like someone played god and just started like replicating other people's consciousness and then like messing with people so i'm, I'm finishing that right now i'm like my fifth edit of it um, but I love sci-fi. It's my favorite subject for sure. Like, oh man, I, I was addicted to sci-fi. Any sci-fi movie that came out, I was watching it. And that like that started in '79 when the first Alien movie came out. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> uh, I mean, that movie is to this day. Also, you know, it's funny. Um, everyone talks about how like there's no lead women roles. There's no like whatever. That movie features like the most badass lead woman role oh, ever. I mean, it's, hands down. 
She, yeah, was, it's she crazy. was the best. I mean, yeah, pardon my language, she was a up. badass. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> and maybe your stuff will be made into a movie one day. That's actually, it's weird. Uh, television and movies is like my favorite thing, you know, growing up. That was just like all I consumed. So I actually, in the back of my mind, when I started writing novels, I was kind of like hoping, and I still hope, you know, that like, because it's all it takes is someone in that system to read it and like it, and then they can buy the rights off you, whatever. And, and that would be very happy uh, for me to see my stuff up on the screen, but not to like be doing it myself. That's way too much work. <laughs> <laughs> and what's this about a book indexer? Yeah, so that's my uh, my side gig, and uh, and I love it. Um, I've, I've been doing it since 2016, um, and I didn't even know what it was until I applied for it because a friend of a friend like said, "Hey, my company's hiring, and you, I think you have all the uh, you know the skills for it." So when you open like a book, like a, especially a nonfiction one, you can go to the back and there's an index in it, right? And it just has like all the stuff. Well, some idiot has to write those and that idiot is me. Um, I actually get paid to go through a book and I have a software, but it's not like fancy. It's like, you know, think like mid eighties kind of program, you know, like nothing like modern. And you, uh, I just enter like the page numbers and the topics and I can like flip them and stuff. And then it creates this index and then I edit it. Um, but I love it because it's like I listen to podcasts while I do it. Like I can do anything I want. I can do it on a plane. So it's a really cool job. And there's not a lot of us. There's just like uh, I work for the biggest company in the world. And I mean, maybe there's like 100 people working for it. And uh, we do almost every like important English language book. So I do a lot of this is what uh, when I was talking about how much I hate politics and how it's coming into my job. <laughs> I, I index a ton of books for like graduate studies. So I keep getting these like both sides textbooks you know just like like each of them being like how can i manipulate young college students and i'm just like well you're not manipulating this 42 year old but <laughs> like i'll take my paycheck so no, when i was in high school i had a, a american history teacher who uh, you, you know you could tell he had his way of thinking but he taught us how to think for ourselves and pick yeah. what we want you know goes with whatever your values are i just wish they'd stick to that and quit giving me your opinion i don't need your opinion yeah yeah i'm so with you and i don't understand how anyone isn't with us like it doesn't even make sense to me and i don't see even see like a i just don't see why people wouldn't want to just teach thinking that's it like teach kids how to think they'll grow up into thinking adults like clearly actually maybe that's the problem with our society you you might have just nailed it. <laughs> and I don't think the way I did back then. I mean, my values yeah, changed yeah. over the years. So and I think a lot yeah. of a lot of people's do that, but you know. Well, and you should be open to it. Like don't be scared if your values change. Don't be like, you know, you don't I, I am so glad I'm not the eighteen year old I was. Thank God. I mean <laughs> the world does not need more like permanent eighteen year olds. <laughs> they don't male. <laughs> they don't need me at eighteen years old anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I heard a comedian the other night say that uh they should just lock up every boy when they turn eleven or twelve until they're like nineteen. And I was like, Yeah, I, I can see that point. <laughs> now I'm thinking maybe after twenty five you can let them loose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, it's crazy. Like the things we all did too, and just like knowing that they're all doing it now. You know, like if I see like a twenty three year old do something stupid, I don't get that pissed anymore. I just kind of like, all right. Like especially if you're at a concert, you see some dumb drunk, you know, young kid. <laughs> Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> real quick man we went to a judas priest concert and oh, this right was on. a few months ago <clears throat> now mind you there was a mix of the young kids and then people my age and older and i i could tell the ones that were close to my age because we were all looking at our watch and thinking is it time to go to bed yet <laughs> totally <laughs> i wish shows started early and i hate saying but i do i wish they were all started at four o'clock the headliner went on at like seven max <laughs> you know and I'm like i'm in my car by nine headed home <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. notice philosopher was on your list uh, did, were you into philosophy in school or is that just something picked up later on yeah, definitely in school is when I first got into it. I was in, um, I went to college at University of Pittsburgh and uh, my freshman year, you know, like they make you take courses and which actually I thought was cool at the time because I didn't like picking stuff. And I just took this philosophy class and it really changed my life because speaking of like critical thinking, that's pretty much what it's all about. It's just like, uh, you know, and it still helps me to this day. Like, um, what? if you don't have a reason for something, it's probably just emotional. And if it's just emotional, then you should probably check that. You know, like I have this kind of like checklist thing, thanks to philosophy. And uh, it also just, um, it helps me be open-minded because like I'll read new philosophy and stuff. And, and when I, you know, there's a lot of like movements in society and like they all, uh, as you get older, it gets harder to like, embrace a new idea just because like you kind of want to rest and you just like things have worked well enough let's just keep it this way but there is something to be said for like the philosophy of change and like you know like understanding that uh like i don't know if we're evolving like scientifically like you know we're gonna have like a third nose or something weird like that but we are evolving like as a society like we are we we're actually like acknowledging like human kindness does matter you know there's um like free speech but also like repercussions for being an asshole like those are good like philosophical movements so there there's a lot of philosophy in the backdrop of things and i wish people would replace emotions and gut reactions and especially politics with like philosophy because if we elected philosophers and not politicians they would be open-minded like you are they wouldn't like be beholden to one cause or another you know so um like i'll get uh fake political and philosophical at once to make a point like instead of just saying like guns are bad let's ban guns like debate the philosophy of violence self-protection self-defense and all those things and when you come out with it almost every person on earth would say yeah just banning guns is a really stupid not even solution to that so like that's a better way to talk about things you know um so yeah that's like so i love philosophy <laughs> well the hardest job i saw on your list was father and i'm sure that's yeah that's kind of changed your outlook on life as well. It really has. And you know, one of the weirdest things about being a dad that I didn't see coming is uh, it actually makes me more compassionate for like really shitty humans who are older because I, I just <laughs> have to assume they didn't have great parents. Like it's like a pretty, it's not a far leap to see how like if someone doesn't have a dad and or a mom who like just gives them like consistency as a kid and like, you know also lays down the law like discipline is real it's a real thing like you know undisciplined people do not do well like maybe if you're undisciplined you might make it to like 25 26 but like some of these celebrities like you know they they have meltdowns they self-destruct um also like addiction plagues everyone don't get me wrong but yeah. like discipline in early childhood will help people like you after you have a heart attack being like okay guess what gotta give this up you know like 
same thing with me. Like I remember when I was much, much younger, I was getting into like, you know, more of the harder drugs. And uh, I remember like this moment where I was just like, you're like on this road or you're on this road. Like, which one is it, buddy? Like you can't dabble in this one and stay on this one, you know? So um, yeah. So, and that also being a parent, it's terrifying that my, I have to give my kids freedom. I have to, it's the most valuable thing in the world to me. So I can't just like sit here and nanny them, you know? And so like, you know, I remember the first time I smoked pot, I was like 13 years old. So guess what? I have a son, he's eight, <laughs> probably five years away from trying weed. Like, what am I supposed yeah. to do? You know, what I'm going to do is tell him, don't freak out and don't let your friend drive you the first time. You, you know what I mean? Like, just be smart about it. Call dad if you need something, you know? Oh my God. It broke my heart when my kids told me when they first tried pot. I think, oh man, I, I did this to y'all. I know I did. Yeah. Um, it's tough it's tough what are you know weird my parents told me about smoking pot when i was a kid because they like they came from an oppressive you know family and like they wanted to, me to know that like they were cool and that and they just kept saying like wait till you're 18 all that did was tell me like oh it's safe i can do it whenever you know so like i love my parents but that that wasn't exactly the greatest strategy so um, <laughs> yeah but i don't know you know Oh, the other thing that's funny is we're parents and we're podcasting. So <laughs> there's also that like. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you one thing that I learned from my kids and I, man, I was bad about this when they were younger is, you know, they they were listening to their own kind of music and dressing their own way and all that. And I it just drove me up the wall. But then one day I was like, you know. My, my mom didn't like the music I listened to and she didn't like the way I dressed either. And you have to let them express themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's kind of how I try to look at this entire young generation right now. Cause I live in Arizona and like we, um, when COVID hit, we shut down briefly and then we reopened. But the one thing I didn't reopen was like people wanting work. So like this, and it, it has been explained to me and I've seen the numbers. It's not older people not wanting jobs, not working. There's just like this giant vacuum of young people who normally, like I, I was thrilled to have jobs when I was a kid. I didn't like working, but I was thrilled to have income, money, freedom. They're like cool to like sit at home and chat with friends on the internet, which, which makes sense to me actually, because you know, like we had to be social, like, you couldn't like hang out online, you know, in our generation. So like, that's scary to me, like the labor shortage, because it really is related to like a lot of things like collapsing in my opinion, you know, so that's, that's scary to me. Yeah. Kids, um, they're on their phones or they're on the computer and they don't know how to interact in real person. And it's, no, it's our scary. fault. It's our yeah, fault it because we allowed it to happen. I agree with you. I do. And I think it's lame to not admit that and say that, you know, and, and also like, so I have a, you know, like I said, my older son lives in Thailand, so I don't see him a lot, but um, my younger kids, I have a daughter who's two and then I have another kid who's going to be born in February. So I started with my wife, like every night at dinner, we just put our phones like way the far away. And like, so at the very least, my kids are going to be trained, like no phones at dinner at meals like that, you know, because when I go to a restaurant, I see like everyone on their phone again like i'm not judging them but it's sad it like is i mean what's the point you know oh yeah my wife no phone when we're having dinner together you put that thing away and she doesn't care if you're 12 years old or you're 30 years old you put that phone away and we're talking yeah yeah oh i thought i was at a restaurant and a friend of mine like pulled a phone out and like i would just i, I it hasn't happened in years but i remember the last time it happened and i just called them out i was like 
Are you, mm -hmm. are you kidding me? <laughs> like, it's one thing, like, you have a babysitter and, like, you know, you need to check in or something. But other than that. What yeah. drives me nuts is when you're at someone's house and everybody in the household are on their phones and they're even across from each other and they won't even talk to each other, but they'll text it in the same yeah. freaking room. It's insane. My friend brought his two Gen Z kids over, and I guess I'm mess talking Gen Z here. I don't know. I, I try not to, but they did that the whole time. They were, like, sitting on the couches, and, like, they were watching a football game with us, and they were, like, texting to each other, and, like, I was just, it was blew my mind. You know, it's my friend's kids. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just sitting there, like, why don't you just leave them at home? Throw them in, like, a cage or something with their stupid phones. <laughs> <laughs> why do you like to do podcasts? They're, like, going on other um, people's podcasts. I love the communication aspect and like meeting people. And then it, it just like, um, because I've traveled so many places, like I've been to like 30 something countries, I'm just like done with stereotyping. And, and I think it's like really cool when you, the first five minutes you talk to anyone, you can hold those stereotypes and you can walk away. You give anyone like 20 to 30 minutes of talking time, both directions, you're going to walk away. Well, there's rare exceptions, but you're going to like walk away with like a better feeling in your heart and you're going to feel better about humanity and you're going to like feel less tension. You know, I think like if you read, follow, watch the news, whatever the hell the news is anymore, it just <laughs> bums you out and makes you think that there's like two or maybe three camps of people. And then like most of us are watching and like, well, I'm not really in like that camp and I'm not really in that camp. Like I, I like these things. I like those things, but I'm an individual. And so I think podcasting is really good for that. And then like listening to two people who are actually interesting talk to each other is like so fun you know i loved radio growing up loved it i used to listen to talk radio and like that kind of died but thanks to podcasting now it's actually like bigger and better than ever so oh man. Um, i don't know if you yeah yeah, yeah i hear um, you and then <laughs> the only downside to podcasting and i'm sure you've had this happen is every once in a while you'll get a dud in either direction and it's just weird because you, you can't, like, hang up five minutes into a pre-planned, you know, thing. And, yeah, I, no, Unlike you, I love meeting people. And everyone has an interesting story. I don't care if you're famous or not. I mean, your neighbor next door has an interesting story to tell. But when you get that guest and you ask them a question and you're expecting them to elaborate on it, and you get maybe uh, that one or two word answer and you're just sitting there going okay you know a little more yeah or i get a guest who claims that they were god and all this other stuff those blow me away too <laughs> yeah yeah i had one i published them all because i just feel bad i can't like record something and then never release it but there was this one where like she was telling me about like the history of like each universe and i'm like okay like i didn't know there was more than one you know and, and it just kept going and she at one point because I, I edit them sometimes and uh actually usually she her she answered one question it was 17 minutes long like uninterrupted like i didn't and i just couldn't i remember at the time like i don't look at my watch or anything but i remember like this feels really long like don't you take breaths don't you like look at the person to see you know uh, I, I really quickly, I taught ESL for many years. English is a second language. And one of the things you teach people from other cultures when they come to ours is what we call conversation markers. Cause every culture has a different rule for how you quote unquote interrupt each other, you know? Um, so like in some cultures you put a finger up, like I want to talk next. Um, and so it's like interesting. Cause I, 
in America, we, we, we do have conversation markers. They're very clear. Everyone knows what they are. And you're supposed to kind of like shut up and pause and give people a chance to like enter and give their piece, you know? And so it's just, it's fascinating sometimes when you have a guest who like doesn't get that. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, yeah, I have to say there's been one interview that I did that I had stopped the person said there's some kind of glitch. I don't know what's going on. And I just I had to cut it off because it was so far fetched. And I I didn't want to embarrass either one of us by putting this up. And I, and I just I didn't even bother to call them back to say, hey, come back on the show. And I yeah. hate doing that. But I mean, geez, man. I am stealing that idea. That's a great idea. That's, that's a very good idea. That's definitely the most polite way to do it. You, you have to be creative, that's for sure. Do you have a website? Uh, yeah, the MikeyOp.com, M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com. And it's actually, uh, I love it now because it, it has like everything. I, I ended up um, moving my nonfiction stuff to Substack, which is like this site for writers on the internet but then i bought the naming rights to like my own url and they let you put it on so instead of like saying go to substack find me i just have my website and it's m-i-k-e-y-o-p-p because i'm like oppenheim and uh i don't really remember who did it but very abruptly in my early 20s people started calling me mikey all the time which had never been my nickname and the older i get the more people call it to me one of my friends says it's because i'm ridiculously like just laughing and like nice and you know i i don't know but uh i don't really care but anyways that's like my brand now is just mikey up but uh but it's cool because it has a tab for like all my stuff so you can like listen to my music on one there's videos i've made you know stuff like that so i will put the links though in the description just to make it easy for folks but what about cool. social media uh yeah i'm on all of them uh i think i'm trying to remember. i have different multiple handles now because of the way like stupid things went but uh just i guess facebook definitely mike oppenheim uh instagram mikey up 38 and twitter mikey up but if you go to the website i have i think it has all the social media stuff on it so mike thank you so much for coming on man and i, I wish you the best and, and good luck with the kid and the, especially <laughs> the one coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> and I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, I hope you'll come back. Please hit that subscribe button. And for my regulars, you guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. And until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network.